0: Good day to you all. You are listening to the very first podcast delivered by Common Ground Carson. My name is Derek Carpenter. I am the pastor of Common Ground Church in Carson City, Carson Valley area. We uh, just recently got recording technology and so we're going back and re-recording our first two messages so that nobody misses out. Who we are, we are Common Ground. We are a church located in Carson Valley, Carson City as I said. And our mission statement is to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. We are a collection of individuals that I believe have been individually moved by the Holy Spirit to take the Great Commission to our area. We have a heart to see those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ gain a relationship with Jesus Christ to see them learn how to trust Jesus with every aspect of their life gain salvation but also the freedom that comes from a life with Jesus Christ so we're gathered we are we are brought together by God to reach our communities now common ground Carson has a purpose but it's not a uh, it's not a unique purpose if I'm honest it's not it's not an original purpose we are a bible Based church, we want to we want to go off of what the word says. But as James five, James one twenty two, forgive me, James one twenty two says, "But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." We want to be doers of God's word. So we go to God's word and we ask the question: Who's the main character of the Bible? Because often we want religion to be about us. But Genesis one one says, "In the beginning, God." Common ground we here remember that the main character of our lives is God. The main character of the Bible is God. The main character of this earth is God, and we are all about Him. Now, the great theme of Scripture, the great theme of the Bible after the fall of man, so Adam and Eve are in the garden, everything's good, and then they sin. They sin, they turn away from God, they do things their own way. They're cast out of the garden, Since that point, God has been about reconciliation. God has desired to reconcile men and women as individuals and mankind back to Himself to be their Lord, to take care of them. Today's message is Sons and Daughters of the King. And that's really going off of what this this theme of the Bible is. Reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says this. as a church we are about reconciling ourselves to god and others to god because that's the theme of the bible that's what god has been about reconciling others to him it goes on those those passages in second corinthians 5 verse 20 says therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us we beg you on behalf of God be reconciled to God that is our heart we beg you if you're listening to this podcast and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord I beg you on behalf of God be reconciled be reconciled back to God. Stop going your own way and go His way. It's best for you. If you don't realize that, God doesn't really want anything from you. This is best for you. And that's what this podcast is. Our first sermon. That's what it's about. Galatians 4, 4-7 through is where we're going to be. It's titled, Sons and Daughters of the King. And let me tell you why we began here. Why are we beginning at this point in Galatians 4, 4-7? through with a message titled, Sons and Daughters of the King. And I'll tell you why. Because as I have felt the call, the call from God to to plant a church, and I'm not doing it alone. We have a a wonderful group of people together, all called by God to plant a church here in the Carson Valley, Carson City area. And we're planting this church because, one, we want to grow in Christ, but we want to see others experience the freedom that we've found. But let me tell you, something about starting a mission like this if, if, you, if you don't keep your mind right, it can become overwhelming. Recently, over the past few months, as, as I knew what God was leading us to do, I remember I was, I was at Walmart and at the soccer field, and I would just look at people. And I would see people and think, you know, most of these people in our area, 90% of the population does not go to church. So I look at these people, say 9 out of the 10 people I see do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as I realize my call... To plant a church, to equip Christians to reach this world for Him, equip Christians to live a life of freedom in Christ, it became overwhelming for me. I was at the soccer field and I looked at all these people and I felt a burden for their souls. Now that's okay. We should feel that. I felt a burden for their souls. But then I started to feel the pressure for their souls as if it was up to me to save them. And I'll tell you what, what came to mind as I've been thinking about planting this church and being part of a a wonderful team planting this church is I'm not adequate. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not creative enough. I'm not influential enough to make a difference in this world for Christ. And that can that can burden us, that can overwhelm us to the point where we give up. But that's actually a good place to be because it's not up to us. We can't save a soul. Only God can. Only the Holy Spirit can. Now, what about you? Do you you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel inadequate to carry out the work that God has for you? Do you ever feel a burden to do, to do for God? Now, that's okay, but the the place that we're starting is we should never feel guilt or too much pressure in that area because we need to recognize first who we are. But well, we're going to see in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, that we are sons and daughters of the King. So if you have a Bible, I hope you do. Grab a Bible and turn to Galatians 4, chapters 4 through 7. Before we read that, I want to read one verse that's a little bit later Galatians 5, 1. Galatians 5, 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. I start there because many people come to Jesus Christ, they start to join a church, and then they're given all these rules to follow. They're given another law. And their relationship with God becomes a list of do's and don'ts. And that's not God's heart. That's not God's desire for you. God's desire, Paul writes in Galatians 5.1, is for your freedom. We've been set free. Set free from rules. Set free from sin. Sin that enslaves us. And set free from, from religion, from trying to live a certain way to earn our place with God. So, turn, Galatians 4, 4-7. through If you don't have a Bible, pause this. Go find one. Galatians 4, verse 4 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. We know that's Jesus Christ. Born of woman, born under the law. He was a Jew. He was fully man. He was fully God. Verse 5, to redeem those who are under the law. That's why Jesus came, to redeem those who are under the law. To redeem. That word redeem means to purchase. To purchase off a slave market. He redeemed us. It was as if Jesus walked through the slave market, and there we all are, up on the front. We're being sold. We're slaves to sin already, and we're just being sold into more sin. And Jesus goes walking through... And I picture him moving through the crowd, and he looks up, and he sees you up on the block. And he says, I choose that one. I will buy that one. The auctioneer says, what will you pay? He says, I will pay me. I will give my blood. I will die for that one. And that's what this verse is saying, that he came to redeem us. Verse 5 goes on. It says, so that we might receive adoption as sons don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jesus came. Fully God. Fully man. Born of woman. He came. He lived perfectly. He fulfilled the Old Testament law. And He did it so that He could redeem us. To buy us. We were destined to hell. We were destined to a life of uh, enslavement to sin. But Jesus bought us. He purchased us after he purchased us out of slavery so that we don't have to live under sin or under religious legalism. But He chose us. And why did He choose us? He chose us so that He could adopt us. Look at that. That's amazing. He didn't, he didn't buy us in order to put us to work. That's what slaves are normally bought for. They're bought to put into a work somewhere else, to get something done. That's not why Jesus bought you. He did not buy you so you could work for Him. Get this. Jesus bought you so that he could call you his son or his daughter. This should make you just yell out, Hallelujah. If you're driving in the car right now, just yell, Hallelujah, yay! (laughs) I am now a son or daughter of the king. That is, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you've said, I believe in you and I'm going to follow you my whole life. Now, you are a son or a daughter of the king. He bought you, he adopted you. That is who you are, a son or a daughter of the king. Now, It's helpful for us to recognize the difference between a worker and a son. And I think back to uh, when I was young, I worked for my father when I was 15, 16, 17. In there, uh, I worked as a a hod carrier on a masonry crew. So I was the one carrying the brick and the block and the stone and and mixing the mortar and and receiving all the flack from the masons when the mud wasn't good enough and and those things. And and I worked with wonderful people. But my dad was the boss. Out on the job side, I was low man on the totem pole. I was the one everybody else got to tell what to do. But I was a son of the owner. And so although I was really lowest out there, I had a unique relationship with with the owner, with the boss. Now these other folks, these other men that worked for my father, my dad loved them. He loved them very much. My dad and my mom. They loved them. Um, I witnessed them do, do great things for those who worked for them. It gives me pride to think of how they served them, how they served their kids and, and uh, put money toward you know, dental and orthodontist and other things that their kids need and, and gave them vehicles and things. They did this for their workers because they loved their workers. But their workers, although they were loved, they were still workers. They weren't sons and daughters of the king. Now one day I was in the truck. We were going to a job site and I was with one of his workers. One of these men that my parents it had a... Had a real affection for. They really loved him. But, but this guy looked at me. I'm 16, 17 years old. And he says, you know, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. I said, what? He said, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You get whatever you want. And as I thought about it, and I've thought about it a lot in my life since, to a certain extent, I was born with a silver spoon. I have a mom and a dad who grew up knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and loving me. And leading me and my sisters into a relationship with God. Yeah, I was given every advantage. I was born with a silver spoon. And I had a unique relationship with with the boss, with my dad. There were privileges that came with that. It's it's true. And it's the same way as as we have with our Heavenly Father. We've been adopted. We have a unique relationship. Look now at at verse 6. We're still in Galatians. 4, verse 6, says this, And because you are sons, now this can say it's sons and daughters, but because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There's a lot of theology in these verses, and we're not going to unpack all of that. But he says this, Because you are adopted, you are now a son or a daughter of the King, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Listen to that. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, this is the Holy Spirit, has come to dwell within your heart if you have by faith chosen to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. That's a big deal. Jesus lives within you. And through you, that Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. That word Abba is not is not really translated. They leave it in the original language because it's tough to translate. It's maybe most like daddy in english abba daddy but yet it's even it's even deeper it carries the respect of father but the affection of abba or the affection of, of daddy and so we now have this unique relationship as sons and the daughters and daughters that we can say daddy we can cry out from our hearts abba father daddy jesus This is in Mark 14, 36. Jesus, before he went to the cross, he knew what he was going to do. He was going to die for your sins and for mine. It was going to be painful. And while he was dying, he was going to take on the sins of the world and the Father was going to turn his face away. And Jesus, knowing this was going to happen, was not looking forward to it. And he prayed this. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He trusted his father. He was willing to do whatever he wanted, but he went to him and he said, Daddy, Daddy, all things are possible. If we can do this another way, let's do that. But because I trust you, I'll do it it your way if you want. Jesus called the father, Daddy, Abba, and we can do the same thing. That's how we approach him. You are a son or a daughter of the king. You can call God, Daddy, or Father, now, think of the implications of this, because a lot of times we feel the pressure to do for God. Now that I'm a Christian, I have to do these things. I have to go to church on a regular basis. You know, I have to, to pray and give and all this, and all those things are very, very good. I'm not saying don't do this is no excuse for you not to do those things. But, that's not where things begin. Again, my relationship with my dad, although he was the boss when I worked, His love for me wasn't dependent on on how well I worked. I was still accepted and loved by my dad, no matter what. And we're the same way. You have been adopted, which means you are accepted. There's nothing you can do to lose God's love. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. There's no good deed, good missions work, good anything that's going to make Him go, Oh, you are a better son now. I love you more now, son or daughter. You are accepted. You are no longer a slave and a son. This is verse 7. It says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, you, then you are an heir of God. Listen, what is the idea of an heir? Heir, and I'm not talking air you breathe. This is heir as in spelled H-E-I-R. An heir. That word is used in reference to an inheritance. When a father dies, uh, his, his children will receive the inheritance. We, if we've been adopted as sons and daughters, we receive the inheritance. The beginning of that inheritance is the Holy Spirit within us. But we have an inheritance which is going to be a place in the kingdom of God forever. We are going to receive as an inheritance a relationship with God forever and a place in His house. When we die... We will be with Him forever. Or when He returns. Uh, Our six-year-old daughter, Elise, she's recently uh, given her life to Christ, and I believe it's genuine. But there's definitely some fear there, some fear of of death. She's afraid it's going to hurt. And some fear of hell. And so we've talked about, well, you know, Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, those who are alive on earth, they're not going to have to die. They'll get new bodies right away. So she, uh, she kind of latched on to that. She said, that's, that's what I want. And so it was a, a few weeks ago. We were in bed, and, and Elise, six-year-old, she, she says, you know, Daddy, I, I, know, uh, I know when Jesus is going to come back. I said, really? She said, yes, he's going to come back when I'm nine. I said, really, why? She said, because I asked him to. She said, I don't want to die. And, and so I asked that he'll come back when I'm nine, and that's when I'll get my new body. I said, well, that's, that's great. Of course, I didn't tell her that, you know, that's up to God, <laughs> not up to us. But, but she understands that she's going to get an inheritance, which is a new body, a sinless body, a body that doesn't deteriorate, that doesn't get sick, that doesn't die. We have an inheritance waiting for us. But not all of our inheritance comes later. We have so much inheritance now. Jesus said this. He said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is your inheritance. Peace, joy, purpose, freedom. And that's a freedom from envy, from jealousy, a freedom from self-promotion, a freedom from being worried. A freedom to trust God with everything. He's a good father who will take care of us. That's our inheritance. We get in this life as we live as sons and daughters of the King. What He wants first from us is our dependence on Him. Get this. He's already satisfied with you. Do you get that? Because you have trusted that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again, and ascended into heaven, if you've done that and said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, you're now king, I'm going to do life your way, if you've done that, you now have been adopted as a son or a daughter, and he's already satisfied with you because he looks at you and he sees Jesus. Jesus was sinless, and so he looks at you and he sees you as sinless. doesn't mean we don't sin, but he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' righteousness, which means... The Father's already satisfied with you. This is not an excuse not to pour out your life for Him. We're going to look at, at that in the coming weeks and months. But He's already satisfied with you. Do you get this? I read a parenting book years ago. Um, I think it was Shepherding a Child's Heart. Great book. But what it said in the book, and this really stuck out to me, is it said, as a parent, your first response should always be yes to your kid. Always say yes. Unless there's a really good reason to say no. Now, we often just say no because we're selfish or lazy, don't we? Moms, dads, be honest. We're selfish or lazy. We don't want to do something, so we say no. And it's okay to say no when that's best for the kid. But we really, do we really do what's best for our children? Now, our daddy, our heavenly father, he is a perfect father. Which means he will always say yes to you. your request if it's best for you, which means if he says no, that's best for you and you can trust him. And you can trust him at all times. Sometimes our daughters will... uh, in the past, you know, they'll do something good. And so we'll praise them. We'll say, good, you know, good job, I'm proud of you. you know, uh, again, Elise, coming home from school, and, and she'll say, I stayed on green today. They have this system. Um, you know, Green to yellow to red, red is bad. Uh, green is good. And so she'll come home. I stayed on green. And we'll praise her, good job, we're proud of you. And then she'll say something like this. So she's done this in the past. Do you love me now? And there's just something about that that makes my heart wrench. Because she thinks, at times, that my love for her is dependent on how good she does. Which is so far from the truth. I love all four of my children. No matter what. And there's nothing they can do to make me love them less or more. And I, I accept them, no matter what. And so when they do good, I want to praise them and encourage them, but I don't love them more when they do good. And I don't love them less when they do bad. But, but for some reason, they had that in their head at times. Well, do you love me now? Do you love me now that I did something that pleases you? And I think we, even as adults, can sometimes think that way with our Father. We do something good for Him. So we, you know, We'll look up or just think, God, don't you love me more now? Don't you love me now? But He loves us anyway. Now, here's the point of this whole message that we're going through. That you are a son or a daughter of the King. You've been adopted. You're His child. He loves you. God loves you. He'll do anything for you. When we understand that, we pursue Him in relationship, then God, through us, can do amazing things in this life. He will change our life in amazing ways, and through us, He will create change in other people's lives. I believe through us, if all the Christians lived this way, understood this is who they are, and then let Jesus live through them, our world would change. It would turn upside down. Listen to this statement. Anything of value that we do is simply an overflow of what God is already doing in us. Let me add something to that. Anything of value that we do for God is simply an overflow of what God is already doing in us. If we do not have a healthy, robust relationship with our Heavenly Father, then any action we go and try and do for Him could have wrong motives, could lack the power. Something that maybe, if it's even successful, we'll take the credit for. Anything of value that we do for God is simply an overflow of what God is already doing in us. The point of this is to call a timeout. Common ground, this church here, we have gathered together because many of us have felt the itch to go. We have felt the Holy Spirit prompt us to go make a difference in this world for Him, go carry out the Great Commission, go make disciples. But we have to stop a minute and go, are we good with God first? Am I satisfied with my relationship as a son or daughter of the King first? Then, through us, He can go out. Because, listen, if we, if you are not living a peace-filled, joyful life as a son or daughter of the King, how could you ever hope to lead somebody else to that life? And that's what we want to do. But as we do live this life, God will work through us. Then, He gets the glory. So, relax. Chill out. This takes the pressure off. And let me tell you, this takes the pressure off me. Because I feel the pressure as a pastor for all the lost around us. we got to save them all. I feel the pressure for those in this congregation, those who I love. And I want to see your lives changed. I want to see you grow in Christ. I want your, your families to improve. I want your marriages to improve because you're trusting God. And it's not about you anymore, it's about Him. But the pressure to a certain extent is off of me. God's already satisfied with me. I want those things, but I'm not going to dig into your lives so that I can earn something with God. As I pursue God, and I, and I love Him, He'll live through me, and hopefully I will be of more use to you. And as you pursue God, fathers, as you pursue God as your Heavenly Father and enjoy Him, you will be a better husband and a better dad. Wives, same with you. You pursue God first. Your dad... Pursue him first, and then you will be a better wife and a better mother. Psalm 37, 4. If you haven't memorized this verse, you should. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. Enjoy. That's what that means. Delight. Think about delight. Delight. For some reason, when I think of delight, I think of my my three girls earlier today eating ice cream. We got an ice cream cone down at the corner store, and and they were eating it, and they had it all over their face, and they were smiling. They were happy. (laughs) That's delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you everything you want when you're delighting in Him, because then you're pursuing Him. You're not living a selfish life. And when you pursue Him, you get everything you want. Which meaning the things that you think you want or you think you need and you don't get, you're okay with that because you're delighting yourself in the Lord. And that's where we need to start. That's where we need to start. Now, if we had a good object lesson here, it would be a comparison with, with broccoli. Okay? I got, a, I got a cup here of broccoli and I got a cup of, of fresh fruit. Which is going to taste better? The broccoli or the fruit. Now, now, this broccoli, it does not have any cheese on it. It does not have any salt on it. It's just broccoli. In fact, it's frozen <laughs> right out of the freezer and it's here it is, broccoli. Now, this is good for you. Broccoli's good for you, but it doesn't taste very good. It's not enjoyable. But here we are, fresh fruit. Now, there's some natural sugars in it, but fresh fruit, this is good for you. Fresh fruit, just like broccoli is good for you. But yet fresh fruit, fruit is enjoyable to eat. Is your life pursuing God? Is your religion, is it a religion and it's like broccoli? Like I go to church because I'm supposed to and I know it's good for me. You know, I read the Bible because I'm supposed to or I don't read it because I feel so guilty. Uh, is your life like broccoli, your, your religious life, your your pursuit of God like broccoli? You do it because you know it's good for you but you don't really like it. Or is your life with God more like fresh fruit? It is good for you and you enjoy it. That's the life God wants for you. He wants you to enjoy life for Him. The Westminster Catechism says this. You know, when they said, What's life about? It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And I believe they nailed it. What is your job as a man or a woman, a boy or a girl? It's to honor God, to glorify God, to give Him all the glory, and to enjoy Him forever. That's where it starts. When we do that, He'll do amazing things through us. If we don't do that, anything we do for Him is probably presumption. It's for our own glory. Wrong motives. So instead, enjoy Him. So here's my question for you as we start to wrap this up and apply it. Do you rest in your relationship with God as your Father? Or do you stress over his acceptance of you, based on what you can do for him? If you, by faith, have accepted Jesus as Lord, you're accepted. You're loved. You're a son or a daughter of the King. Rest in that. Delight yourself in that. You're good enough. Listen to that. You're good enough. He loves you. He doesn't look at you and look at all the things that that he wants to change. You know, a lot of times our earthly parents. And we as earthly parents, we do that. You know, we tell our kids all the things we want them to change. And they might start to think, well, they'll love me more if I change those things. No, God does want you to change. That's why He saved you. He wants to make you better. But He loves you. He's accepted you just like you are. And He wants you to enjoy Him. Listen, I forget this sometimes. I do. I have the personality. I want to get things done. I want to go. And as I do, sometimes I start to take control. I heard this analogy and I, I really appreciate it. You know, it's it's as if uh, picture a piano, a beautiful grand piano there, and God is playing a concerto. He he's playing this beautiful music, you know, his fingers are running up and down the keys, and it's it's just amazing. And here, you know, there's a crowd listening to, okay? It's it's there's a big crowd, and you're there, you're right next to Jesus who's playing this, and you're you're watching his fingers go, and you go, you know, I, I think I can do that. So you kind of sit down next to him and you put your hands out and you start to play. And when you do that, he takes his hands off. He lets you go for it. You play because you think you can do what he's doing. And, you know, it ends up being like chopsticks, you know, dun, 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 dun. And it sounds nothing like his. until you realize you can't do what Jesus is doing. And you take your hands off the keys and you let him play the beautiful music and you enjoy it. That's what we do. We don't want to take control. My my personality, I like to take control. I think I know what God is doing. I look around here. I see 90% of our population does not go to church. 90%. And I know God's heart. He desires to seek and save the lost. He, He desires that none be lost but that all to come to repentance. I know what God wants with these people. And I can have a tendency to go, I'll do this for you, God. Let's just go save these people. I'll do it. But instead, I need to seek God, enjoy Him, and then, as I delight myself in the Lord, He'll give me the desires of my heart, which is to see people saved, to see people grown in Him. I believe to see my kids flourish in Him. But it all starts with me seeking Him. John fifteen five, Very valuable verse. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Do you realize that? Our job, we are, we're the branch. And we want to produce fruit. But our job is not to produce fruit. Our job is to cling to the vine, which is Jesus. This is, which is Jesus. So here's the, the to-do. Okay? Again, the word says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We always want to apply the word and put it into practice. Otherwise, I'll tell you this, there's no value. There's no value in knowledge without application. If you're going to learn and don't do, stop learning. But if you learn God's word and you do it, you will see amazing change in your life. You will see peace and joy. You will experience peace and joy you never thought were possible. You will become more loving. Your service will improve all of that because of what He is doing. If you truly delight in God, then you'll find yourself serving more energetically, approaching the Bible and prayer more expectantly, and giving more generously than you ever did when it was a duty or a responsibility. Let me, let me say that again. Listen to this. If you truly enjoy, delight in God, your Abba Father, then you will find yourself serving more energetically, approaching the Bible and prayer more expectantly, and giving more generously than when you ever did it as a duty or a responsibility. Just love, the, love your Father. Love Him. Spend some time with Him. So here's our to-do. I started that by saying, here's our to-do. Make Jesus a priority. Make God a priority. Not what you do for Him. Okay? Not acts of service. Acts of service are good, but those are secondary. What I'm talking about is enjoying time with Him. This is prayer. This is a devotional life. Spending time in the Word, enjoying Him maybe memorizing a verse now at the beginning i'll tell you that that sounds like a chore and we do need to buckle down if we've never done this we need to build the habits of time with god and if you do it then you will start to enjoy it and if you do this for a month and then you stop doing it you'll miss it you'll miss it because you've learned the relationship with god so here's my challenge to you we're not going to start with the month we're going to start with two weeks For two weeks, I want you to commit to this. Ten minutes each day, spend some time with God without asking for anything. Without asking for anything. Sit and enjoy Him. Sit and think about God. Think about what He has made. Think about what He has done. Appreciate Him. For you, this may be listening to to worship music. For you, this may be Scripture. Scripture. I think scripture needs to be part of that because it's it's the Bible, it's the Word of God that changes lives. Maybe going for a walk. For me, it's going for a walk and saying the Lord's Prayer. And just letting Him flow through me and fill me. Ten minutes a day. How much time do you spend watching TV? Okay, there's a little conviction there. I want you to take ten, min- ten minutes a day for the next two weeks and enjoy your Father. And I'll be honest, for some of us, if we haven't done this, it's going to be awkward at first. It is. And that's okay. And that's okay. But let's get started. Your Father loves you. Jesus came to purchase you off the slave market so he could adopt you. Now, we at Common Ground, we are looking forward to changing our world for God. That's our mission statement, to expand the kingdom of God in our lives, beginning in our lives, and the world around us. But before we do that, are we enjoying our relationship with our Abba, Father. Let that be so. Tune in next week. We're going to talk about what is it that God wants from you? What's God's will for your life? We're going to talk about that. Yeah, week two, and we're already going to get into what's God's will for your life? We've all asked that question. So tune into our next podcast and you can hear that. Thank you for joining us.